Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Euro Today. I am Captain Carrot, and tonight I am joined by Calvin Coolidge. Hello. Common Sense Politics. Hey, shout out, Izzy. I see you, bae. And Noda Lecter. Ah, and I am going to speak to some people who know my voice. <laughs> there are some people on here I don't think have heard my voice before, so... <laughs> All right. So of course it's it's been an uh, not a not a, a quiet active week. It, it's it's a, it's been a weird week. Uh so straight off the top, let's get one of the amusing starts to the week. There is a court case against Consti for sharing classified information from within a party. Now, it's, it's not really a significant thing, but I would like to get all of your thoughts on whether or not the court case itself is appropriate, whether it can continue, and whether there is likely to be anything coming from it. Uh, shall we start with Noto? The case is a joke. It's not against the law anyway, because Discord isn't fucking confidential, and what he leaked isn't even any, like, isn't any content, so I don't know why the fuck they even care. Like, mountain, not even molehill. Like, just, uh, yeah, this case is completely pointless and stupid, and I, I, nothing's going to come of it because it's not illegal in the first place. Like, Discord is not considered classified under ESPA. So. <laughs> I presume you share similar opinions, CSP? Um, similar. Yes. Um, I, uh, when I saw the case, I noticed that um, the charge originally brought wasn't um, a law anymore. Um, so that struck me as interesting. <laughs> and then when the charge was changed, um, as, suggested, as suggested by uh, Onder, um, apparently Grav decided to not read that law before he was like, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, because I read the law just before this broadcast, and as Noto pointed out, um, leaking party Discord uh, information is not illegal. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that the court even chose to indulge this charge, but um, I think that will be the most interesting thing that comes of it. So... On, on the court choosing to indulge it, I, I think yeah. I think that's largely a matter of there is definitely a philosophy among most of the legal community of you know not just you know not not rejecting cases based on thinking they have no merit or thinking they can't succeed because it's prejudging and. Right. Is it, and and I know especially Andu would frown upon that, so I'm not surprised it it went through. Um, but that's that's fair. You would know more about it than I would. Calvin, are you going to be boring and agree with these two? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll expand the scope a little bit because I don't want to just repeat something. I, there's a lot of I don't know backstory to me that kind of made this case possible. You know, um, there was. The case that didn't happen involving the EPP and Leo, um, and now there's a case that happened on that uh, alerted 
grab about the leak in the first place. So it, it seems like there was a hunger for somebody to go down for leaking in this party or from this party. And this is kind of what's coming of it. It's really, I mean, again, it's, I don't, I don't want to judge it too harshly because the case is going on, but it doesn't seem like it has a leg to stand on legally. And whatever was leaked, if that's the extent of all that was leaked, seems like nothing. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like a case because of we want a case. All right, moving on. And again, I've got three hopefully very opinionated members on to discuss tonight. The new political party in town, the Freedom and Equality Party, I do believe. Let's start with Cal. Do we need a new party? Is it going to uh, do anything spectacular, or is it just going to be like most, and sit there and do nothing? Cal? Yeah, I'll go first. I, I think this party has got an interesting start. It's definitely grown a lot faster than any of the other parties that I can remember. From the start, it has like 15-ish members or something like that. Um, it's got an actual platform. You can, we can debate about the merits of the platform, and I'm, and I'm sure we will. Um, I'd be disappointed if we didn't. But it has a platform from the start that has actually a, attainable goals. So, I mean, you could push for these things, and they could come into effect in our region, and it wouldn't be totally crazy. Um, the makeup of the party is interesting. Um, they're most they're, they're a mix of sort of quasi active on the forum, qua, uh, really active on Discord players, um, and their demands are kind of unique. I don't know. I mean, the first one definitely is because it's one piece of legislation. They're also talking about uh, Senate growth, which is not something you see all the time, and of course transparency because everyone wants transparency. So. I don't know. I mean, there's a case for this party to be something that the others aren't, but it's also another party, and I, I don't know. I'm not sure that we do need another party, but I'm not against having another party, and I said that to somebody who's never joined a party and likely never will, because at least this is contributing something to a discussion that we weren't having before, and it's not just about, like, I'm better than you because I'm in this party. It's, I have an idea that I think's worth pursuing, so... I don't know, maybe maybe this party is on to something. CSP. Yeah. One of the first comments in the in the Grand Hall announcement was from Skizzy Gray. And he says, This region needs another political party like I need a hemorrhoid. <laughs> and I just wanted somebody to say that out loud. I don't necessarily agree. But I <laughs> 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 uh, I I don't think it's that we don't need more political parties. I just think that we need a party that's done right because it's it's pretty much never been done right. Um, and like Cal said, I am encouraged that there, there, there are concrete legislative goals here. I think it's pretty weird that remove honored citizens speaking rights in the Senate is like one of your three central um, manifesto points. But, you know, if you're really into that. I guess that's fair. Um, but the other two um, are relevant issues that we talk about a lot, uh, cycle after cycle. Um, the third, I think, encourage and push for greater form transparency um, needs to be thought out a great deal because I think the, 
the challenges we face now with transparency don't necessarily have a great deal to do with subforums on our forum. It has to do with the proliferation of Discord channels and servers um, that seem to be popping up every single day. Um, so that's an issue that I hope that they'll take a strong look at. No, so. Yeah, I mean, I looked at this announcement, I looked at it the same way I look at everybody. I don't really give a, I, I, I can't give any shits. It does just, look, I, in the long run, I doubt much is going to come of the party, and I think that's partially just the nature of Euro and simulators like this. I don't, I don't know that the party dynamics, or at least not the way people try to form them, have much of a necessity or value in in the region, or really fill a role that is there and needs to be filled. And especially since things aren't ideological, really, or anything, it just becomes an issue of, like, how long is it actually going to be motivated to stick around and is, is, is it actually going to do anything and actually have any impact? And that's, uh, to me, it's just unlikely. Um, to be honest, my, the, bigger, the, the, the bigger question mark for me with this party is whether or not this signals that Rachel is actually going to be active again or if she's just going to start this party and then fade back off for a while. Um, which tends to be her uh, her uh, contributions recently. Uh, that that that's to be honest, my bigger question with with this party. Well, I think that's actually the the rage factor is a really interesting question because because things aren't uh, super ideological. You the most successful parties are generally the ones that form a cult of personality around their leader, right? Look at the Conservative Party in Falconius. Rach can be a very powerful personality. Um, if you spent any time in Balder, I don't know what it's like now, so maybe it's changed. There was a time if you walked into Balder and you sneezed at her the wrong way, seven people jumped out your throat. Um, so if if she's serious about uh, cultivating and you know controlling a, a voting block, that could be interesting to see how that plays out. Oh, definitely. I think if we're looking at it just from a cult of personality, Rach is a personality and something that we haven't dealt with in a while in Euro. A lot of the players in the party haven't dealt with it so much that I know of. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what they knew they signed up for when they did this party or not, because I, I don't know. I mean, they may have inadvertently bought into it because they're friends with Rach, um, or they may have actually believed in the ideas, uh, or they might be both. I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely agree that Rach could definitely create a powerful block because of her personality and stuff. I don't I, I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if that and the situation surrounding it would necessarily be a positive thing. Uh, I mean I don't know if we can judge whether it would be positive or negative, but I don't I, 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 I would have very strong skepticism about it. Um and my my biggest thing is I, I I honestly am not sure whether Rach is like seriously committed to doing anything in your role right now. So I don't know if she's just going to start the party and then disappear and then it's gonna fade away because I don't know that 
I, it, it definitely feels like she she was the driving force behind its creation, and if she doesn't actually try to build it up, it's not going to go anywhere. Well, I think one thing that can't be ignored about when this about this party is when it was made, um, because it is rage. I'm sure it wasn't an accident that this was created right before the presidential election. Um, yeah. I don't know if that means it's only going to be used for the presidential election. Um, or if she actually has any longer-term goals. But, I mean, even if it's just a short-term party, this could control something, and it would be to Rach's... I mean, you'd have to point to Rach to say, well, this could have... You know, this party, this party with a lot of members could have swayed something. And, you know, that's influence, and that's attention. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I'm saying, I mean, you can't ignore the timing as well. I mean, I mean, I was kind of accept- expecting it to be a when when I first saw it, I was kind of expecting it to be a presidential campaign launch platform, but so far that doesn't seem to be the case. So far, um, unless there, unless someone is just waiting, someone within the group is just waiting last minute to do it. But right, but we're not. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that they're. Oh no no! I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I, they, I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying like that was my initial uh, okay. assumption. Yeah. was that this was going to be a presidential campaign launch platform for probably Rachel, because I none of the other two founding members really would have made sense. But all right, I I think that's that pretty neatly wraps that up. All right, uh, light bit of a bit of light news: the ERN honors and promotions with. Three promotions and quite a few honours handed out. The ERN, it's always pretty, it's pretty good and heartening to see the ERN at strength. Uh, let's start with the CSP. Have you got anything to say for yourself, handing out honours like this, <laughs> as if your navy deserves it? How dare you? Yeah. No, I um, I've been really happy with. The way we've been able to jumpstart the Navy this term, um, I think everybody involved would acknowledge that we were in some trouble. Um, and while we're absolutely nowhere near um, operating on all cylinders, um, it's been a fantastic start. And it's because we have some really committed people um, that are involved and they're enthusiastic. And I really love working with them. Um, and, you know, they, they deserve... Everybody who was an award that was an awarded a promotion or a ceremonial title absolutely 100% deserved it. None of those were, you know, maintenance accolades or lip service. They, I, I really felt that every single one of them deserved it. Uh, Calvin, yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I mean, with everything that CSP said, it's uh, the Navy. The Navy's in a better place now. Uh, and not in the sense that it's dead or dying, although I realize that's usually what a better place means. But it, it's it's actually in a better place from what it was at the start of this term and the term before. Um, like CSP said, it's not the best. I mean, you, you can never say anything's 100%, but it's had an upward trajectory for a good amount of time. And you can't always say that about the ERN. We can now, and the Navy soldiers who were awarded are a big part of that. So. It's great to see everyone awarded, and I have nothing controversial to say about it. Noto, can we rely on you for some controversy? I mean, I... He's struggling. 
No, I, so 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 I do have. So I don't like the 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 ERN is in a good spot. I think the ERN is lacking right now from the fact that you know the ERN one of its big objectives is you know as a foreign policy tool and as we will talk about later in the show we don't the the the, the grander foreign policy direction is weak which has really i feel limited the value we've been able to get out of the ERN recently i could be wrong but i feel like i feel like one of our biggest missed opportunities with the ERN it has nothing to do with the ERN itself but larger overarching foreign policy direction not being as well developed as it should be. That is an interesting point, and we will probably be coming back to that in a couple of minutes. (laughs) Alright, next up, the ratification of the non-aggression pact with the Kingdom of Great Britain. Uh, Shall we start? (laughs) Who to start with? Uh, Noto. You you haven't started for a bit. What's uh, your take on <laughs> diplomacy around the world? So I'm not really sure what the exact purpose of this particular like. I think one of my problems goes back to what we're going to talk about later, which is, you know, I'm not sure what this what 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 purpose this serves in a larger picture. I'm not sure it is part of a larger picture. And that is my concern. It's like, not that it's necessarily wrong, but it feels like foreign policy for the sake of foreign policy. And I don't know that it has much more intentional direction. And that's my concern. Obviously, I'm not in the current administration or exactly deeply in the loop, but it doesn't, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what the point of it is from a grander foreign policy perspective for us. We were uh, we were talking about the uh, recent accord with KOGB. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just kind of restate my thought real quick because I want to make sure that um, Kingdom of Great Britain gets the shout out they deserve. Um, they're one of the most active, uh, forces out there, um, killing it at almost every update. Um, we've actually run into each other raiding the same target more than once. I think they got one and I got one. Um, so they're, they're an absolutely viable military partner. Um, they are more or less compatible, um, with our, our military MO, um, more so than you know, a purist rating organization would be, um, and I think if you if you want an answer about why why a nap, um, why not a more substantial agreement? Um, <coughs> I I think that there's for a while there's been a desire to sort of have a a t- testing period, accelerate relations a little bit, see how it goes, and then move on to the next step rather than than go to a full military alliance right off the bat which you know we can we can argue whether that's the way to go or not you know you could say it's worth just taking a chance go for the full treaty um, but that's in my understanding the, the rationale behind it 
Yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with both Noto and CSP because I mean more CSP than Noto, but Noto's points are also cogent. The particulars of this non-aggression pact are good. I think it's the right move to take with this particular partner because it's. Um, I mean, you know, like CSP said, they've been good to us. We've been good for them. And it makes sense that we would have a non-aggression pact because of the nature of our relationship. You know, we took it to the next level. We, like CSP, maybe we could have taken it more to the next level, but it's in the right direction. And uh, it's worth trying this attempt with a partner like KGB because of the nature of our relationship. Um, where does this fit into our wider foreign policy? I couldn't say other than that it suits our needs right now, and that might be good enough for this particular deal. Uh, there's, we'll address that later. All right, and uh, Noda, do you have anything you wanted to add? Um, not really, um, I think, what one one of my big concerns is less so the does this accord have a purpose and you know having a treaty to have a treaty even with someone that is a good potential ally is not ideal in my mind it should be have a treaty have a treaty and have a way to actually build on and take advantage of and um get value out of for both sides those relationships and i feel like in lieu of the larger foreign policy because of the larger foreign policy issues which we will get more into later i i am scared of our ability to actually make good value out of it out of any treaty right now all right and uh Speaking of foreign policy, uh, considering the term that we're about to wrap up, that is very likely to play into the next term, which leads us to the presidential standing that opened yesterday. So many good candidates. <laughs> uh, that's the main takeaway from this, is that after the no candidates other than Aches and Brune last term, it's refreshing to have actual debate, uh, hopefully, in the future. With the tickets that we have, I don't think that'll be a problem. And I think everyone's looking forward to really getting into the nitty-gritty with each of these tickets, and it'll be... Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Um, obviously, the three of us have ran against each other before. Um, so there's history there that makes it even more more compelling. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to lack for for competition and hard questions. Uh, and I think that that's that's frankly something that we probably need right now. So <laughs> I'm going to assume those two aren't going to say anything else since they're involved, and I'm going to make some. <laughs> comments that uh, aren't going to be nice. I apologize. Um, no, I don't. Mm. So, I think 
the biggest thing with, for me with the standing candidates is I'm kind of interested to see that there were three, but to be honest, I feel like one of the candidates is already far behind. I feel like Kaboom already is lacking as far as potential and some of his ideas just not being things people are ready to jump onto right now, or maybe ever. Um, so I think, and I think because Kaboom lacks a foreign affairs knowledge, which is a hot button issue right now, especially compared to CSP and even Calvin, not to the same degree as he does to CSP because CSP is CSP. <laughs> um, I, I think it, it really comes down to, pro it's probably going to come down to a race between the two gentlemen that are also on this broadcast. Um, and I don't want to go in too much because obviously there are people here that can respond to the third person that isn't, and that's not completely fair. I'm hoping they just don't respond at all because my opinions would have been the same regardless of whether they were here or not. Um, I, I think largely, especially if you take this in the lens of if foreign affairs matters, I, I think it's going to come out to do you do you take the experience of CSP and foreign affairs matters over the kind of consistency Calvin has had in involvement. I feel like that's going to be a major part of this. Um, obviously, policies and ideas will also play a role, but I feel like it's really going to be, that is going to be the forefront of this election, in my mind. Of course, that's assuming we don't get a fourth candidate, which would be entertaining and fun, and please, someone throw another candidate out there. I, I, I would be perfectly happy to see a Rates Leo cat, uh, ticket just jump in randomly. It would it would liven things up. I don't know why I named those two specifically, but well, I just did, so it... <laughs> um, you could run, Noto. Uh, no, it's not happening. I will guarantee you I will not run. Guarantee it. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> one thing, uh, I do actually have a question, and I'll start with Noto for this. Uh, what, what kind of, what do you expect to be the big ticket item during uh, an upcoming debate, which I assume will be happening? Um. If there's a debate, which I hope there is a debate of some kind, um, I, I definitely think that I, I don't know what what would necessarily take focus in a debate, but I would definitely hope it would be foreign policy and foreign affairs, because I think that is definitely an active and live issue right now, extremely more so than it even normally is. And it, it's it's always kind of the driving force, and I think part of that is because a lot of the times we see interior and culture and whatnot as having more limited as to how much you can gain and whatnot as opposed to foreign affairs, which is also far more nebulous and far more of something that we rely on experts for and people like our presidents to directly handle because they're supposed to be experienced and uh so so i would definitely expect and hope that it's going uh going to be foreign policy and i i expect that foreign policy will 
over the entire course of the campaign be the primary thing people are focused in on. That's what I would expect. Uh, this question is actually to the candidates. Is there going to be a debate? Do we know yet? And uh, it would help if they could hear me. Um, so my other question is to CSP and Calvin. Uh, is there a debate planned? When will it be? I know that there's been some talk of a debate by a third party that I won't name. Uh, so I think it's very, and even if they don't host the debate, I think it's pretty likely that we'd arrange one ourselves, given the candidates and given our history, we want a debate to happen and we'll make it happen regardless. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I don't think, I don't think either of us would find it acceptable to not have at least one debate, um, regardless of you know, who's organizing it. So, you know, things are being talked about. Nothing has been um, set out in stone just yet. All right. Well, since uh, even though this is your today and not our foreign affairs broadcast, our last topic for today is yet another foreign affairs topic. In this case, it's SOPA's recent article, and which has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of talk uh, this week and uh, I'm actually wondering if any of you guys have anything that you want to that you want to add to what's been discussed no no go for it so I, I know we've been alluding to that I mean we've all alluded to this some and um, I think and I, I will say that personally I have always believed that there was some level of trend um, in modern times in Europe that we were trending towards less and less of a specific guided policy and more foreign policy for the sake of foreign policy and we were kind of losing any sense of an overarching goal a lot of the stuff that's been getting done has been individual people picking up pet projects like Kane, and that's not to say that's wrong, it's just kind of how things have been happening. Uh, it's really been individual people picking up projects and running with them as opposed to really ha us having any underlying overarching um, strategy going on. And I feel like, again, that's a trend that we've been heading down for a while, it, uh, any sense of overarching strategy has kind of been dissipating slowly, and I know for a long time it's really been a question of now, is that just because it's not being communicated well? Is it because it doesn't exist? I, I, I'm pretty sure it seems that, you know, with the comments of Karemi and whatnot, it definitely seems that at least among the executive itself, at least this current administration, it doesn't seem to exist all that much. Um, again, it seems I'm not any of them. I'm not any of these people. I don't know what's going on in their heads. I can't tell you if they do have a sense. And we just don't know about it. And it's not even clear to each other among them. But uh, it's definitely a concern that, you know, we need to really have a, a well-understood, well-developed, overarching direction that's more than just 
I mean, our entire foreign policy is independent. What is independence? Independence is following our own, uh, you know, following what benefits us, following our own uh, objectives and things that would benefit us. And how are we going to do that if we don't have any sense of what our objectives and goals are? It kind of creates an issue in my mind. And I definitely hope that we can see some progress and some clarity and some communication on these subjects in the future. CSP? Yeah, um, especially in the latter part there, Noto, Noto really hits it right on the head. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of the things that we're not doing in foreign affairs. And the simple fact is that you, you, um, you cannot do those things. Um, if you don't, if you don't know what, what your goals are, um, you can't make goals if you don't know what your values are. Um, and I, I think, I think we're absolutely nowhere. I'll look at the, the, the dialogue that opens the article. I, this is a, a quote from an FA discussion on Mixler. Um, I asked the question, what are the foreign policy aims of this administration? Why are we talking about ambassador systems and foreign updates? Karamia, probably because that's my foreign policy right now. And I haven't received any feedback as to what our foreign policy could be. So that says really three things to me. One, that Karamia is, is unable to formulate and affect foreign policy as Minister of Foreign Affairs. It tells me that, um, you know, in the context of the conversation, I was there, so I, I get the context. She's saying that um, the citizenry at large isn't um, giving her feedback as to what she should be doing as Minister of Foreign Affairs, um, which I find to be perhaps the, the strangest component of that statement. And third, that she's not getting any direction uh, from above. And that's obviously not her fault. Um, all of those things should be alarming and all of those things should be totally unacceptable. And it should be okay for us to say that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously with both of the things that have been said, um, I think it's easy, uh, as this term has pointed out, it's, it's easy to point at individual people like Karamia or Aches or anyone in this administration who is involved in this is the problem. We and it's but it's not just this term and it's not just these people. I like notice that it's been an arc um, for, for and then Sopo talks about that in the article. Uh, it's kind of been unclear what Euro stands for on a wider level. Um, we're against Nazis. Right. I mean, that's something and that's great. That's really good. But that's not everything and it shouldn't be everything. But that's kind of what we've been through achievements of Euro on a foreign affairs perspective. And that's kind of been it for at least a year, um, unless I'm forgetting something big, something big every term. But we should have a, a direction. We should have goals. And we haven't. And we don't. So, I mean, hopefully this changes very soon. I think that people want it to. And there's people who could be in the position to change something that want it to. 
and I think we all just need to kind of make it change um, because it's not going to happen unless we do something. Yeah, um, I'm interested. Noto, here's a question for you. Obviously, when this ticket was elected with Brunhild on the bottom of it, it was obvious that she was going to be carrying the weight on foreign affairs. And then they, you know, they nominate a greenhorn minister. Um, was this going to be a problem whether Brun had to step down or not, or did they just give up? So uh, I, I think I think this was I, I I don't I don't think this problem started this time, and I don't I, I don't. So I think with Brun we would have had a sense that you know a feeling that there was direction, but I think that that would have been solely on one project, which is Kane. Um, and and that, that's not to say that Kane is bad or that we shouldn't have focus on Kane. That is not what I'm saying, even though I do have opinions on that that aren't favorable. That's not the point here. The point is that I don't think that Brun's present would have changed that. And actually, what I'm wondering if would have changed it is something that I have no idea about, and you two probably know better, but probably can't say too much specifically about, which is, is the EA... AAC functionally dead? Is it not actually performing the function it should be, at least in my mind, which is working with the president to build foreign policy, which should also be at the direction and aid of the president and should be a overarching term over term type of thing that, you know, adds some stability to our foreign policy. That's what the EAC should be doing, at least. Is that role not really able to function anymore for some reason? Is it just not? Is it because everyone's taking these conversations to Discord and private conversations? Like, yeah. is something going on there that's causing this? Because, I mean, like, I, I think I can answer that question without without divulging anything privileged. Um, you know, there's, I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge that there's a 21 Tomlinson uh, Discord server, right? Um, yes, and and things are discussed there, um, and uh, I feel that that platform um, has been used as a a de facto replacement for the EAC by this administration, um, and it's something that I um, sort of saw coming and said, you know, I don't think that's a great idea, um, and that advice was not heated. Um, I think the EAAC is the reason that we've ever succeeded in the arena of foreign affairs. It, it's been the beginning um, of the proliferation of uh, a broad foreign policy that we frankly never had before 2011. Um, and it has been underutilized, not just by this president, um, but by several modern presidents, and I think it's been to the detriment of every single one of them. And, and I would say I definitely agree that that's the sense that I was getting. That's why I asked the question, because, you know, as I said, I feel like this has been a trend we've been on. It's not, you know, something that started with aches, and it's not because Brun left. It's a trend that we've been on. I think that probably has to do with the the limited, yeah. probably limited utilization of, or decreasing utilization of the EAAC. Which is what you're saying is 
likely basically occurring. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is just because I've been in the cabinet a lot and the EAC at the same time, but now this term I've been in just the EAC of the two, and I feel extremely out of the loop mm-hmm. on what this administration is pursuing in Foreign Affairs and can, in comparison to previous terms that I was on both the cabinet and the EAC, and to some degree that's expected. Um, but I mean, personally, I didn't know that there was a Tomlinson server, and that is kind of alarming to hear that if the discussion is shifted there, there's no institutional memory, um, which is a problem enough as it is when we have Discord. Um, so that is pretty worrying uh, for somebody to cut to somebody to step into the next office and not have that would be kind of a big loss that we shouldn't need to take. I hope some steps are taken to rectify that. So another thing specifically on the EAC, and that is if it is to become, you know, if uh, theoretically it is to be reinvigorated, does it need a shakeup? Because I'm, I'm, I just brought up like the names of current, which seems to just be the names of past continually, which seems to be the trend, which is good and also at times bad because it looks like presidents and the vice presidents are just being kept on continually, which is like, I guess you don't necessarily have to do that, but um, and maybe you don't want to. It's up to you, I guess. But I guess uh, well, up to meaning whoever's president by you. I'm not saying specific people here. Um, but I'm wondering if, like, looking at this, like, some of these people maybe are not the most actively engaged or involved or have the <sighs> most time. Maybe it, it could that also be creating a sense that maybe some presidents don't think they should, don't feel like bothering because they don't feel like these people know what's going on, which is really not a sense they should have with the EAAC. And if it is, there's a big problem there. I don't. Don't, I don't think that that's ever been the problem. I think the problem is that if when we've had a president that hasn't been particularly experienced or adept in in the area of foreign affairs, they kind of assume that the EAC is just this thing that kind of works on its own. Um, and, you know, things pop up there and they get to just sort of benefit from what's going on. But that's, that's as both of you know, that's, that's really not how it works. Um, if there's if there's no um, initiatives or goals being worked on by the administration, um, and the administration isn't taking seriously monitoring events um, as they unfold elsewhere, um, there's not going to be a whole lot that just automatically pops up in the EAAC. You know, any NES is not um, a daily player anymore, unfortunately. Um, so I, th- I think it's, it's a, it's a complacency thing and, uh, it's, a it's a misunderstanding of what the EAC is and how it works. Yeah. The, the EAC, um, isn't a ministry, right? It doesn't have somebody leading it. It doesn't have somebody who was given goals at the start of the term, usually, uh, to lead it or do anything like that and operate its staff, um, because that's not what the EAC is it's a group of mostly old fogey players and a couple of newcomers who are there who are newish no one's really a newcomer in the AAC um but some uh who are there to react to stuff that is usually brought to them just like so if a president is expecting that they're going to do the same thing then there's going to be a lot of waiting around 
I, I also so. say that uh, I, I actually think that that what, what you're saying is actually was a step on the path to the weaker EAC because I think EAC just being you know a sounding board of here this is going on give me ideas I feel like EAC is really a good place to because it's long term because a lot of the members do stay and it's a really a advisory council of all the established FA people. I mean, it's really the best place, the best group of people to work with to formulate potentially long-term overarching goals in your FA. But presidents have to be engaged in that because if a president isn't engaged in that, well, there's no point in creating that uh, overarching goal in that system because the president's the one that has to enact it, not the members of the EAAC. They're just advisors and they can't really advise if nothing's going to be done, you know, if no one's listening to them. <laughs> I One thing I'll actually add here is Noto points out that they can the EAC can help the president formulate a plan, but nowhere in there is a mention of putting that plan to action, and that's still what the rest of the executive is responsible for. Um, yeah, that, that that is what I was getting at, that they should be helping make the plan, but you know they can't really do that if no one's going to be listening to implement it, because their job isn't to implement that. That's the executive's job. Um. All right. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to add? I don't think so. That was a pretty good discussion. All right. I like that a lot. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, our panel members, Noto and CSP and Calvin. Thanks, everybody. This has been Euro Today, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.